Building in public is one of the best ways to grow a business and your personal brand. Not only that, in Web3 and crypto, transparency is absolutely key. This means crypto is the perfect space to build in public. And on today's episode, we have Ish Verdusco, the king of this practice. So how exactly do you build in public and how does this translate to crypto? Well, you're about to find out. All right, everybody, I'd like to welcome you to the new normal, a podcast where every Tuesday we break down complex crypto topics so that everybody can understand. I'm your host, Austin, a.k.a. Mac and Cheesy, a.k.a. the Notorious Beanie. And alongside me, we have Jesse, the co-founder of the Cryptoon Goons, who tells Vitalik what a smart contract and what a dumb contract is. And alongside us, we have Ish Verdusco who has over 65,000 followers on Twitter, a best-selling author, founder of the Primo Bots, advisor for the Cryptoon Goons. I am running out of breath. Former worker at LinkedIn, Snapchat, and a producer. Ish is a certified savage and has been building in public for years and doing all this in the public eye. And he is on a mission to reach 1 million followers this year. This show is growing and cost crazy, but we want to keep it growing. So share it with people like this. Do whatever you got to do to get this to more people, because frankly, the more listeners, I'm going to be happy. You're going to be happy and we can all be happy. On today's episode, we're diving into what it means to build in public and how this has impacted the growth in crypto and Web3. Now, Ish, a lot of people build but a lot of people don't have the output that you have. You are a certified producer um, and you just keep building, building, building. When I'm scrolling my Twitter, I'm like, oh, there's an ish tweet. Oh, there's an ish tweet. There's ish doing this. Like your output is so massive. Like, do you sleep? What, 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 what goes on there? No, for sure. For sure. No, thank you for the intro. And I like that little beginning, the, the video that was super cool. I feel like I'm on like the Tonight Show or something like that. So uh, that's just dope. Thank you for having me. Um, to answer your question, yes, I do sleep. I sleep about seven to seven and a half hours every night. Um, just try to be like as efficient as possible while I'm awake. Um, don't waste too much time. And, you know, prioritization goes a long way as well as like schedule blocking. So that that's probably oh, yeah. like, the biggest key, you know, I, I figured that out during my early career in tech. Uh, like, you know, a mentor basically said, like, yo, if you want to get a lot of shit done, you got to like literally put four hours on your on your calendar and be like, I'm going to do this one project for four hours and get it done and then do another one like the next three or four hours. And like that was a game changer for me early on. So that's pretty much how I live my life. Hell yeah. Well, I think we're going to dive into like what your schedule looks like, what your calendar looks like. Now, Jesse, did I miss anything on that intro? I had to I had to lean into I was like, did I miss anything about Ish? Because I know you guys have um, a relationship. You know, you, you're you obviously a advisor for the goons. Uh, we've had some conversation. I was like, Jesse, did I like what did I miss anything there, Jesse? I think you pretty much nailed it, although Ish is pretty much a certified foodie as well he's always putting up those those delicious looking pictures of sushi or nachos or something something banging looking so well that's the other thing too is uh i i've been a head of growth and marketing at a social media food startup so like part of my daily job is literally to look at like delicious looking food every single day uh and you know acquire users grow uh, our retention rate over time um and produce content so that's kind of why all these different worlds come together they, they sound like they're like super spontaneous like one-off things but like I'm like orchestrating in the background and like making them all play together, which is like really difficult to do. We kind of get better at it over time. And then by being able to kind of combine these things, you're able to compound the output um, and because they kind of complement each other. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. But again, like to the public eye, it appears like I'm doing 10 different things that are like completely, you know, different from one another. But in the back of it, like, for example, head of growth and marketing, like, marketing is my day job so i get to like refine that that tool over time and then use it for web3 when i'm advising or mm -hmm. um, doing my own thing and you know building my own personal brand picking up these little things over time getting better and better and better and then practicing 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 and then just taking all the different learnings and then you know getting a little bit better every day 
Great. Yeah. So let's let's rewind a touch, right? So we've we've used the term already build in public. I think the uh the over under for build in public for this episode is about 30. We're already about five. So you know that that over is looking good. Now, what is build in public? Because personally, this is something that I'm trying to do a little bit more myself, and I still don't really fully grasp it. Um, what is this? And like what when somebody's listening to this, how does this relate? to them or or social media in general yeah great question so i kind of took the term uh i mean it's i I got it from like the startup world so i I worked in tech for about eight years now um like you said i started working at you know linkedin then snapchat now i work at a startup um and i've always seen like tech founders or people that are just like wanting to build a product Uh, on twitter they would just say like yo i'm going to start building this product in public and they would share the entire journey from like start to finish if it was a six month project to get it done, they would share like updates every month or every week or every day, ask for questions, ask for feedback throughout the entire process. And I became like super fascinated because I myself on the other end of the spectrum, even if I wasn't a consumer of the product, I found myself like super intrigued to want to like hear the next update or like find out what was going on. So I took a moment to like pause and, and realize like, okay, if me, a marketer who spends their entire day like analyzing content and figuring out like what works and what doesn't work, is intrigued and i know that i'm kind of like getting played by the system if, if you think about it that way then this this is probably really good to to use and so i just started implementing it over time and you know when i used to dj back in the day uh i would share my entire journey of like the dj career which was 10 years long built the entire team in public like you know djing in vegas doing tours around the united states flying all this stuff you know asking questions like oh what city should i play in next and it's just more engaging as like somebody who's like following content. You feel like you're a part of the story, not just like, you know, sitting there on your phone swiping. So essentially building in public means like asking questions, showing updates, stuff that you would do to your company internally. You're just sharing more of that externally. And by doing that, you create like your thousand true fans. You build your brand over time and, and so forth. The the DJ, when I hear the DJ example, I think that's just like a great place to talk about like taking what you're doing and then putting it on social media because for a lot of people like music is a hobby or a lot of people i think a lot of people when they're thinking and they're hearing this they're like i don't do cool things or whatever whatever the the excuse may be but a lot of people do do like dj stuff a lot of people like that is a hobby or starts as a hobby and it Mm -hmm. can become a job so when you were like thinking hey do any does anybody care about this does anybody like what were your thoughts before you first started showing people what you were doing and what were your hesitations? The first post is the scariest. Like, you know, like when you're going through that internal monologue, you're like, oh, does anybody even care? Why should I post this out there? People are going to think I'm stupid. Like everybody DJs or everybody's an artist or everybody's a creative or everybody's a writer. So putting it out there is not that special. Uh, I will say that that first step is the scariest. Um, the easiest way that I figured out how to do it was I had a very close circle of friends, maybe like 10 or 12 people. And those are like my, that's like my crew, you know, that's like my best friends. We're all, you know, supportive of one another. And I would basically pitch them things first before putting it out to the public on Twitter or on LinkedIn or on Instagram. And then little by little, I started getting my confidence and then putting content out there and then asking for questions or like actually responding to DMs. And when people would say like, Hey, that was really interesting that you shared your uh, you know, your protein intake every single day because I'm trying to get fit <laughs> and it looks like you work out a lot, you know? So I would pick that up mentally. I'm like, okay, well, if people are interested in the protein, they might be interested in like water intake, sleep schedule, you know, all nutrients and all the rest of the things that I do. Um, so first step is definitely the scariest, but if you can find a crew of maybe like five people that you like, you know, for sure you can feel comfortable around, pitch them ideas and be like, yo, what do you think about this? Or like, what do you think about this tweet or like this post? Um, or what do you find interesting about what it is that I do? Because you're not a DJ. I am. Mm-hmm. Like, what questions can I answer via content and storytelling? The uh, the the protein remind Jesse. Jesse was doing a little build in public the other day about uh, the what was it? The tea? The tea that you you started taking? The chai tea? Yeah, yeah. Your your crazy <laughs> concoction that you you got me on. <laughs> <laughs> What's the alpha? Let's hear it. I, I want to try the, the um, What's the alpha? Oh, man. Um, all right. So the morning before, you know, this is part of building in public. The um, the morning shake is or tea, chai tea, uh, water, obviously for the tea, MCT oil, uh, butter, 
microdose of creatine. Blend it up. That's it. That's the first thing you start up. Oh, oh I forgot. Casein protein. Um, I think that's it. I probably good. forgot something. I probably the forgot something. The collagen. 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 Collagen yeah. protein. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all over the place here, but it is glorious. It's like a it's like a morning shake, and it because I um I try and fast to like one or two each day. That's awesome. Eighteen hours. Um, you do eighteen six or what do you do? I try sixteen. I try sixteen awesome. if I'm lucky. I'll have like carrots before I go to bed. Sue me. <laughs> yes. No, that's not, that's not too bad. So, so now you're, you're a DJ, right? And, um, when did you, like, how did, I feel like a DJ to the web three, like, there's a lot, I feel like that has to go, has to happen there unless there isn't like, so I know you're, you're an author was now, did the author come before the tech world? Like how did, how did that translate? That was during. Yeah. It was while I was working at Snapchat, like the peak of the pandemic, we were all working from home uh clubs were closed obviously so i stopped djing and had a ton of free time or not a ton of free time but i just had two fewer things that i was doing which is going out and djing um and i've always wanted to write a book um or i'll I'll rephrase that when i was growing up i never thought i would write a book but then when i started working in you know tech and all these amazing places and meeting all these amazing people i realized that i was learning so much information at such a quick speed that whenever i would talk to like cousins or friends back home there was like a disconnect like why why don't you understand this or why don't you know this or like I would feel like I was being selfish because I was like withholding all this information in my brain and so then the idea of like writing a book kind of started coming up I thought about doing a YouTube series anything but book I was like oh maybe I'll do blog series because I'm a shitty writer I'll do a YouTube series Instagram series I'll do a full page on Instagram all the stuff that I learned um and then it just dawned on me one day I was like no the most impactful thing I could do would be write a book because I can physically hand somebody like you know, a book and like say, here, here you go, you go read this versus like a piece of content is that on the, the internet. Book? No, this is not it. But it's, a, it's a way to <laughs> I was going to only... say that looked like a textbook. I was like, hey, uh, how, much, a... how much writing were you doing? <laughs> my goodness. No, no, it's a, that's a Tim Ferriss book, but my book is like 235 pages or something like that uh, from start to end. So that's kind of how it came about. And then, you know, I basically seven days a week was writing every single weekend, spent 15 hours a weekend writing for like about a year straight. Um, self-published. I didn't take any money from anybody. I had an, an, a few editors that helped me out, obviously a designer to help me with like the graphics and all that stuff. But yeah, it was a, it was a mission for sure. And I built that entire thing in public. That's probably one of the biggest projects that I did from start to finish in public. And I asked people, like, I think somebody gave me the title of the, of the name of the book. Um, I think I put like five different, uh, titles and I would just put it on Twitter and somebody was like, none of the above, you have to mix them and do this one. And how successful people get it done and i was like oh god so good is that the name of the book yeah yeah that's the name of the book and i would have never gotten the name if i didn't like, you know build in public or like share it online um and so many people have told me afterwards like yo that title is fucking sick so like good job on that um so yeah that's kind of how kind of how it came about so now when you, when you're writing it and you're doing this it's in the heart of the pandemic what like what were you learning so i know how to get how to get ish what's what's it again yeah that's a short that's a short inversion so how successful people get ish done how successful people get ish done which is phenomenal (laughs) you're 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 writing this and you're getting feedback and you're building it and what's going through your head like is anybody going to buy this? Like what, what, what are your thoughts while you're building in public? Cause personally what some of the hesitations that I get, cause I'm, I'm trying to improve on this personally is like, what if I fail or what if I, yeah. what if nobody buys the book? Like I've been talking about this book for six months and nobody buys this freaking thing. Like what, what's, <laughs> what type, because that hesitation I think is going to be for everybody listening. Who's afraid to share their story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll say two things there really quickly. So the first thing with the book, I had years of practice building in public. So I kind of wasn't as afraid. Like, keep in mind, I DJed for 10 years, like nightclubs for hundreds and thousands of people. And I've like shared the entire journey going from like literally a bedroom DJ in college to DJing in like Las Vegas at a pool party for my 25th or 6th birthday. And like that itself was like the entire thing was like built in public. Um, so by the time I got to like writing a book, I had done a podcast, I had done like all these different things, interviewed people, 
spoken, you know, commencement speaker. By the time I got to the book, it was like, okay, I have to do this. Like, there's no other way to do it, especially given the fact that I can't go anywhere, you know, seven days a week, I'm stuck in this room. So I kind of got to bring people into like my world since I can't go out there and like do a tour. Um, but it, it is scary. Like, uh, I, I kind of mentioned this, but I was never a writer growing up. So I, I pretty much like almost failed my writing classes in like middle school, high school and college. I never read any of the books that I was supposed to read. Um, somehow passed, you know, grace of God, I got C's, uh, but we got that C's degree. Get degree baby. <laughs> C's get degrees. Uh, and so for me, it was less scary about building in public and more scary about me feeling like self-conscious about my writing because I didn't feel like I was a hundred percent like, you know, Tim Ferriss level yet. Um, I think I've gotten a lot better just from practicing, but I was very self-conscious about like, shit, like what if my writing sucks or like they can't comprehend me, like, you know, understand what I'm trying to get across. And so that, in that point, and so the, the interesting thing about the book is it's a seven step framework to achieve any goal. doesn't matter what the goal is, like financial goal, personal goal, fitness goal. Um, it could be career goal. And I use the framework in the book to like write the book itself. So like when I found myself in those certain situations where I was like, crap, nobody's going to read it. Then I would just take like one of the steps in the framework, which is like support groups, which is the last one and arguably the most important step of the, you know, in the entire thing, which is support groups, your, your friends, your mentors, um, your coaches and everybody who you put yourself around you and the people who kind of like pick up the slack where you lack. And so for me, that was like, okay, if I'm self-conscious of any people around me, that's just going to be straight up. Like this sucks. This is good. This is okay. I would improve here. And so for me, that was like, you know, some old bosses that I have that were like very good at writing and I kind of tapped into them. Um, also some friends that are just ruthless and said like, yo, this is really, really bad. And then another <laughs> element of, was this, like people who could help me. So like an editor, bringing an editor on board and having them like, you know, read the thing. And funny story, I published one version of the book, like hit, published, everything went live. And it turns out that uh, it wasn't like the final, final version of the, of the book. It was like, that's, it was like the, the one right before the final version. And so like did, people did, bought it. There's hundreds of people that have that version of the book. And there's like a ton of like grammatical errors. And like, it was so embarrassing. Like having people text me and say like, yo, this is like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I had to republish the entire book. I got a second editor to read the entire thing, like in a week, basically. We turned it around very quickly. But that That's, was uh I'm thinking that, that of you know, you know, when like you were writing like an essay in whatever college or whatever, it's like final version two, final yeah, version two point seven, final version two point eight. Like there's like a million of these things that were the final yeah. version. <laughs> if I search <laughs> my laptop right now, how successful will get it done? There's probably like 82 different files that'll come up and like half yeah. of them are PDFs, half of them are like Word docs, you know, it's nuts. But yeah, we got it out there. I'm I I now what it was seven ways to what what's like the spark notes real quick because of, of that because right yeah. I think building in public you did exactly that you used the you were it was this building public inception really where yeah. it was like I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna writing it I'm building thing. it it'll probably take me like two or three minutes so I'll, I'm gonna walk you through the entire frame, framework and then you can just like poke at what everything is most interesting so it's a seven step framework to achieve any goal the first step is self concepts. I basically did like 900 to a thousand hours of research on the most successful people. Like anybody who you think is like an icon, I like studied them, their autobiographies, interviews, um, their work, and basically dissected like what made them special. Like aside from the fact that if they came from money or they came from like great genetics, what made them great? And the number one thing that I found in common, which is the first step of the, of the framework is they were all good at understanding themselves as individual human beings. and being able to make adjustments in order to get better, which I think it's basically like a self, like a self awareness. Like the more that I would ask people is like, why is so-and-so so successful? They're like, oh, they're so self-aware. That's why they're so great at what they do. But then like, you know, if, if you taught, like, let's say you had like a 10 year old son or like a nephew or a niece or somebody and, and you wanted to give them advice, like, how do you become more successful? You just become more self-aware. Like, okay, that's not very helpful, uncle, you know? Like, what the heck does that even mean? And so the more that I dug and I did research, basically what we're trying to say is like, you need to understand your self-concept. So like your past, who was that person, your present, who are you right now? And you ask a lot of different questions, you know, what are my likes, my dislikes, my habits, break down who you are, like a science experiment, uh, and then your potential self, your future. So your self-concepts, they're individual people 
but you're the same person. Can you break that down? Step two is game changers, habits, rituals, routines. Step three, which is a term that I coined, is called compound learning. Uh, basically, these people are, you know, the most successful people are very good about learning in every single conversation that they have and every interaction that they have with people and their surrounding. And they take things that are really good. I like that. And then they just become better. But you don't you don't even notice it because you're just having a normal conversation with them. Um, but they kind of like use it, learn, use it, learn, use, learn. And they kind of get better over time while the rest of us are just kind of like on social media or just like, you know, day, day, like dazing off. Uh, the fourth is deliberate practice. Uh, just because you're working hard doesn't mean you're actually making progress. You have to like be smarter about your efficiencies, your frameworks, et cetera. The fifth is uh, self-talk and ego. This is probably like one of the, the soft topics that's not really spoken about too much or it's not taken super seriously by a lot of people who like are all about hustle, work nonstop. But, you know, the way you talk to yourself is pretty important, um, especially, you know, during times like this when we're spending most of our time by ourselves. Um, you know, if you don't talk to yourself kindly mm -hmm. or in a motivational way, then you're going to end up, you know, hitting the same roadblocks. The last two, really quickly, uh, six is goal setting. So just outlining how to set goals, smart goals, and goal executing. What does that mean to actually execute? And the seventh one that I just mentioned, which is your support group, your family, your friends, your coaches, your mentors, and being extremely in, uh, deliberate about who are the people that you include. Just because somebody's a family member doesn't mean that you necessarily need to be around them 24-7, especially if they're negative to you or like they give you bad energy. Like there's time and place where you can like have people and there's other times where you can like kind of like X them out a little bit if that means better for your mental health or for your progress, you know? So that's the, the clip notes version. Jesse, what questions do you have there? Because I, I have, I have, I have a bunch. Yeah, I think, um, the support group of it, like, I think that is, that is, that is pretty fucking huge, right? Like having, having the people around you and, and accountability too, like to, like to, to, to deliver on what you said um like i think that I, I like that one the most um one of the questions i have is is um when you were starting to write this book right like it's a mountain of a task right how and you were like you know you did these 15 hour writing sessions blah blah, blah but how did you like get in motion right because i think we we talk about a lot about this in, in the incubators like things in motion stay in motion keep it moving that's how you can, can, that's how you build. That's how you compound. That's how you learn. You just need to get in motion. So, how did you get yourself into that initial motion? Uh, I actually put. I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but I found myself in situations where I didn't have access to the internet, and I would just write because I hadn't. I wasn't able to go on Twitter, or Instagram, or like gonna do anything else but watch a movie. Um, and so one time I found myself on a flight. I don't know where I was coming back from, but I just had my Plans phone on the me. best my alpha. <laughs> Yes, planes are planes, planes really are sure. <laughs> and i just had my phone out and like i think i had a cup of coffee or maybe you had like a, a beer before i hopped on the plane and this is after like i had decided like mentally that i was gonna you know write a book and i literally just did like hours of writing in the notes tab like at apple notes and you know it was like a really long just like word vomit like for pages and pages and pages and i was like okay well at least i started now i gotta you know dissect some of this information break it out into sections and see like is any of this actually good but I had gotten like that initial, you know, like we've all been there when we're writing, you know, a, a post for school or something like that. Like, and then the first thing is you're just like typing there and it's just like stuck, stuck, stuck. Um, but because I had already gotten that part out and I had some sort of, you know, direction that I wanted to go in, it was much easier. Um, I don't know if I wouldn't have gotten that just sitting at a coffee shop, you know, watching people or access to Twitter and like open and all this stuff. Um, so planes <laughs> are for sure the alpha or buses. I, I like, you know, bus rides too. Um, I used to take the bus from San Francisco down to LA, which is like seven, eight hours. And I'd get a bunch of like creative work done on, on buses too. So, uh, no. Force yourself, you know, turn off your phone, leave it at home, go sit outside or go to a coffee shop and just write or do whatever it is you have to do. One last question on this topic before we kind of start diving into like the crypto and building in public there. Um, how do you identify like what the most effective, like work smarter, not harder. And I think personally, I fall victim a lot of the times of working really hard and maybe not as smart as I could. So how do you identify what is 
what's an effective means and what is an ineffective one and how do you replace that with something that is effective? Good question. Uh, I think it's pretty systematic. So it's a matter of like setting a goal. For example, um, if I had a four hour block writing block, I would say I want to get at least X amount of pages done. And if I didn't hit that, I would kind of like self-reflect and be like, why didn't I get it done? Did I like doze off too much? Did I, you know, take a huge break that didn't allow me to get there? So for example, if I did like a four hour writing block and I was able to proofread through 42 different pages of the book, and the next time I did a four hour block and I only made it through like 15, was it really because the editing was that bad or was it because I just didn't feel like working or I wasn't efficient? So a matter of like kind of tracking previous work and then, you know, using that or using the average of like, this is how much I can get done and I've proven to be able to get this amount done in this amount of time. So I should be able to do more than that or just about the same. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of it's so, kind of like mental tracking, if that makes sense. It's not all just like written out on a piece of paper. Quantifying it. And if you can quantify it a little bit, you now know what you're able to see what was effective, what wasn't. And now you can reflect a little bit. Exactly. And like, for example, working out too, right? So if I work out for 65 minutes every single day and I don't use my phone once, I'll know by the end of the time, like end of the workout, I'm like exhausted. And so mm -hmm. I have an entire like workout that I do. And if I don't make it through the entire workout and I look up at the clock and it's like five past five minutes over, then I was probably not efficient with my time. Mm -hmm. right? So that's a perfect example is like quantifying it and like using some sort of system as a direction. Now, okay. So you write this book, um, you've, you've been in, you've been DJ, you've kind of been growing your social media. And now how, how does crypto come into play and how did this kind of intertwine with your marketing uh, skills and building in public? Good question. Uh, I probably got into crypto pretty late. I think like 2018, maybe early 2018. Um, just like, you know, I heard, kept hearing like Bitcoin, Ethereum, all this stuff. Um, it wasn't until like 2019, 2020, I kind of got into like DeFi and I just went down that rabbit hole, of like yield farming and all that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, and then not until like maybe a year ago, I like got super, super serious about it. Uh, I heard about NFTs, but I didn't really take them seriously. I started up an OpenSea account in like May, never funded it or anything like that. Um, and throughout this entire time, I was like building my personal brand around like business, uh, self-development and marketing. Those are like the three areas um, since DJing kind of like was tapering off. And around this time is kind of when I found like NFTs and I literally dropped everything that I was doing. <laughs> And went all in. Like I had a podcast. You can, you guys can find it. I interviewed like the, the founder of uh, Complex, a bunch of like you know other founders and CEOs at really dope companies in tech. Um, and I stopped it completely. And people kept asking me like, "Yo, when are you gonna start it up again?" I'm like, "My hands are full. Like I am just learning <laughs> every single day, every single night. You know, you know how it is when you first get into crypto or NFTs, and you're like, "Holy shit! There's not enough hours in the day to like consume all this information because there's so much to learn. And every time you pick something up." There's 50 new things from that one thing that you need to learn. It's like how to set up a wallet, how to, you know, how to, what are NFTs or like, you know, different, many different directions. And so basically I was going throughout this entire process and much like everything else that I do, the reason of this podcast is like, I kind of realized, why don't I just like share my process and what I'm learning in public? There's, I'm sure that there's many other people that are following me. I think my following on Twitter was like, I don't know, like nine or 10,000 at the time when I kind of like first found this stuff. Um, and so a lot of my people that follow me, was like in the marketing and like tech world and not very many of them were like in, you know, NFT GGNs is like two completely different worlds. Um, so here I was kind of like dancing between these two worlds and a lot of people found it interesting. They're like, oh, I've always, you know, kind of wanted to like learn about that ish. Like, tell me more in DMs. They'll be asking questions. And I kept getting the same questions over and over and over again. So I started getting super annoyed because it wasn't efficient for me to spend two hours a day <laughs> responding to the same DMs on Instagram and on Twitter and on LinkedIn. So then I kind of realized like, I got to just, I'm not building anything. I'm kind of just like learning in public and like digesting all this stuff in public. Um, and as I did that, like my personal brand started growing on like, you know, the NFT world, if you want to call it personal brand, um, people just found the information to be like super helpful. Um, and that's kind of how I got to where I am now, I guess. And that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have came about if you weren't, talking about it in public like at the time when you were talking about it and i think it's important to stress that like when you were getting into the nft space like everybody right you didn't know what mm -hmm. the hell was going on and 
you just started talking about it. You were you were walking people through your process and people enjoyed the the trials, the tribulations, the the whatever rug pulls. I don't know if you got rug pulled or anything, but like yeah, they enjoyed sure. <laughs> see, seeing that stuff happen. And you weren't you were by no means at the start of it an expert like everyone, just because uh, you can't be an expert in something that literally just started existing. Still developing, and, yeah. Exactly. And so, but because you were building in public, you saw this, this opportunity and now how did, so you're, you're learning all this stuff. How did Jesse, how do you, how did you find Ish? Did Ish find you? Like, did he tweet about how he was, he was eating something, writing a book, <laughs> DJing an NFT? Like what? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I, you know, I started seeing his dead fella PFP pop up in my feed here or there. And of course, really when I started hearing about Ish was he was writing um, a marketing guide for Web3 and doing case studies on different projects. And he, he liked what we were doing in Crypto Goons and actually hi highlighted us a bunch in that guide. And so we were like talking to Ish throughout that process a bit. And and yeah, I was like, wow, like Ish is like really sharp dude, like just just because I read his tweets and read what he had put out there. And, and I think that's just the power, obviously, of putting your ideas into the public it can be scary at first but like immediately ish had this credibility just because i could read through his tweets and think like wow he's like interesting ideas and things like that so i think that that's really sick but yeah we that's how we met is through more of ish's writing <laughs> so as a viewer as a viewer because you were you were a product of building in public like you like your validation of ish entirely came about because he was building in public Oh yeah, hundred percent. Just because he's putting his ideas out there, and I'm like, yeah, I, I like those ideas. I, I'm those are interesting. I want to explore them more. Yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that point. That's something that I've seen, and I write about this in the book too. Is like, uh, obviously, I believe in luck. Like, there's some things that we can't fabricate. Like, we can't we can't explain certain things. But I also believe that you can create, you can fabricate more opportunities down the line that might appear like luck to 90% of people when in reality, it's just a matter of like you putting yourself out there in a strategic way. Um, and you know, like building in public is a huge way to do that. And I've seen a lot of opportunities in my life come about like job opportunities, raises that I've like 10, $20,000 raises that I've gotten in tech just from putting myself out there, um, pivoting completely. I used to be an event planner at LinkedIn. I went from an event planner, to a social media marketing lead at LinkedIn within three years, just from like building in public and showing the stuff that I know about social media, I was able to turn it around. I think I was like 23 years old at the time, which is insane to be like a, a company like that. Another thing is like when I was DJing, I would just like, you know, build in public and like show the entire process and like get people hyped about like, like what I was doing in a way that they felt like they were a part of it too. And that opened up like so many different gigs that allowed me to travel to Seattle, New York, Miami, all these different places that probably wouldn't have gotten if it wasn't for that. So like, you know, me, Jesse and the Crypto and Goods is just like another example that looks like luck. Like, oh, you just got lucky because you have a shit ton of followers or like you just got lucky because you worked at LinkedIn. I was like, uh, I could have worked at LinkedIn and like not posted anything about what I know or what I do and just like been a DJ on, on Twitter. And that wouldn't have done me any good, you know. No, I completely agree. And, it, and it's this really cool relationship of the more people you help, the more luck you will find yeah, as I you agree. go. And the fact that those incentives align is like, is so incredible. Like not almost so many times in life that things don't, don't work out that way, where they don't align well. And in this case, literally helping people, putting your ideas out on the internet will create more opportunities for you down the road. And it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I, sure. I, I like to say I, I try and say it's like the most selfish thing you can do is being unselfish and by helping other like it's if you want to be selfish, if you want to help yourself, help others, because yeah. it's like that. That's the selfish thing. you you should help me. You should selfishly help me. And now, Jesse, talk to us about because um, you basically got your role at the goons because of building in public like i know i know we're, we're chatting with ish and stuff but I, I think it's just a byproduct and like of these opportunities like how did you get your role with goons and then that led to the 
working with ish like it, it kind of goes full circle and you know now here i am right somehow somehow talking here no 100 percent. i i was doing a little bit of building public on twitter but i was like i hadn't established my credibility really publicly yet i i would i would get some feedback but mostly felt like i was not getting a whole lot there and i was definitely feeling that scaredness of like doing it where i really was able to build my confidence and, and grow was in discord communities so just being engaged and helping out in communities when people ran into issues or things like that, and where I knew I could help, I had the knowledge there. And I would just like help people like get their, their MetaMask wallet unclogged when tons of transactions would get queued up. Uh, and, and I started building uh, some credibility within the Discord communities. And I, you know, sometimes I would be able to get them out to my Twitter. And, but just having that credibility from helping so many people in the Discord was eventually yeah, how I landed with the Crypto Infuse because someone came into the Discord from the team and was like, hey, like we're having all these issues and we need help. And somebody literally tags me. I don't, I will never, I would never have caught that message. I was busy working on something else, but someone tags me. I see the notification. I go in and boom, 10 hours later, working with, working through all these issues on, on Zoom with the team. Now, now I'm on the team and, it, and it's because, I was engaged. And so I think people out there who are, aren't sure about building in public on, on social media, I think building in public inside of a community where you are knowing people, I think is a great way to kind of help too. Starting in the smaller, maybe more easier for people, more intimate because they don't want to share their entire life. But like we have two things, two examples, right? Like Jesse, you were, you were in this smaller, smaller, intimate. And it's kind of like, Ish's friend group like when he he was before he was putting it out on twitter he was talking to about it with his friends and in his support group and so you can almost think of your your home base your discord communities that you you live in those are kind of your support groups in many ways if if your friends at home maybe don't don't talk about this stuff as much and that that uh I completely, but like that, that's kind of how I got into social media. It's because I was in group chats and I was the one who was talking about crypto and I was the one who like was helping people out, learning about it. And then like I had this intimate group and then that like, that gave me the confidence to start talking about it on TikTok. Like that doesn't happen if I wasn't talking about it with my friends and helping them learn and gaining that confidence. So I think that's a great kind of segue into somebody listening to this who has zero followers on Twitter has 150 followers on Instagram. Half of them are from high school. Like what, what would their first step be if they're like, Oh, okay, I want to start building in public. I'm doing things that I'm doing things. And I think there's some value there. Uh, what, what would the first step be for somebody who wants to start trying to do this? I would say there's two steps. The first, and this is like from a marketing aspect. So the first step would be uh, find out what your topic is. Like, what can you talk about nonstop, day and night, no matter what? Um, you won't get tired of it, and you can just enjoy learning about it. That's number one. Uh, number two is find out who your audience is. So, given that topic, who are the people around the world? What are their age groups? If you have age groups, what are their likes, their dislikes? Where do they spend time? You know, Twitter. The NFT community spends a lot of time on Twitter. If I would have started off, you know, doing all this stuff on Instagram maybe would have been successful at it but i would bet my odds would not be that great you know um so what where are they spending time who is your audience get very specific and then you can go ahead and create content given the theme and then the people who you're targeting um, and then all the growth hacks all like the marketing and the content optimization distribution all that stuff is layered on top of like that foundation i think that now okay so that's on a uh general consumer or retail ge- general person right now what about on a business side so the incubator something we were on the goons uh gooniversity a couple of weeks ago and when jesse came to south by southwest we were just talking about building in public more and we're trying to do it more but what would be your advice for businesses like the incubator who are trying to do more of it but they're also trying to keep their special sauce keep like a little like competitive advantage in the back pocket what would your advice be for for us to better build well and more specifically how did you build primo bots i know you built primo bots fully in public like what Mm -hmm. were some strategies you really used there that other companies can apply okay two parts there i'm going to first relate to you guys first since you guys have a, a podcast if you are a podcast consumer 
like if you listen to other podcasts on a daily basis or regularly, there are certain things about podcasts that really, you know, make your ears like, you know, like, oh, wow, that was interesting. You're like, you make you realize certain things or the way an intro was made or the way uh, a certain post was shared on social media that actually converts you to go listen to the podcast. So I would say as a podcast host and as a podcast creator, I would go ahead and then, you know, look at you, look at your identity separately as like a consumer and figure out what are your likes, your dislikes, and what are things that you find interesting in other podcasts. Go ahead and do that and then start producing content or making adjustments to your own podcast, to your own, how you promote it, how you build in public, et cetera. The second part would be asking a lot more questions to your audience. If you have 100, 200, 1,000, 10,000 people who listen on a regular basis, incentivize people to respond to questions. That could be as simple as what topics do you want to hear from? Um, what about this podcast or this show can we do better? Or what are the different things behind the scenes that we can highlight? Is that the mic setup? You know, the mic that you have right there, maybe somebody else in your audience wants to buy a mic. And like, that's a very common thing, right? Like, remember when I first, when I bought my mic, there was like so many different options online that I was like overwhelmed. <laughs> you can literally do an entire guide on like how to pick a mic between $100 and $200 and like how to set it up for, to make it like as easy as possible. So you don't have to buy a Zoom recorder like this, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're, so, we're we're using a USB plug here. If you're exactly. if, if people listening, that's a great time to talk about the mic. To sure, right? I think you just uh, you just muted uh, yourself too. <laughs> you hit the mute button. <laughs> there you there go. You go. <laughs> it's got as as we just found out, it's got a mute button right right where I grabbed it. Yeah, but that, that's just like a perfect example of it, right? If you're a consumer, if you're a person on the other end, find what, what do you find interesting about podcasts in general? What are the ones that you love most and why do you love them most? And then make those adjustments. And then so transitioning to like Primo bots, like I was an NFT collector for a little while beforehand. Um, I was into crypto way beforehand, even thinking about starting an NFT project before even knowing what NFTs were. And so I kind of picked a lot of things that I liked and disliked about the different communities that I was a part of and different projects that I was a part of. And I tried to like implement as much as possible as I was building in public. What did I find interesting? What contract did, did they use? Why did they use it? I shared all that, you know, um, how did I build the team? How did I find my co-founder? All that stuff that I had questions on as like a community member from the goons or from dead fellows or from all these things that were just in the back of my head. I kept them top of mind as I was like building the, the project and would just share it out as tweets or in a spaces. I would make that a conversation topic that we would talk about how Babs and I met, he's in India, I'm in LA. How the heck did we meet? Like that's an interesting conversation topic that might not be interesting to us, but to everybody that we talked to, they were like, whoa, that's a really cool story. Um, I will say like building an NFT project in public was more stressful than building, uh, than writing a book in public, uh, mainly because, you know, the nature of NFTs, they're like degenerates on the internet that can just be like super rude um and the nature of like the blockchain people can see whether you're like quote unquote successful in terms of like the mint out or traction etc whereas in other areas like you can't see how many book sales i've had unless i told you right um, mm -hmm. you can't see how much money i made unless i told you whereas like the blockchain everything's public because nobody owns it everybody owns it in a way um and so i will say that it was definitely different like building an nft project in public because it was you know, you're under uh, a critical lens for anybody to be able to say like, yeah, that's whack, you know, and they're hiding behind a Twitter account with like six followers. So they don't really care that they're going to be mean to you. For so for Primo bots, right? So you, you picked you picked things that you liked that you you didn't pick things that you disliked and you spoke about it. And now uh, how did you find the line from this is a little bit too much like where like Ver like in-house conversations versus public conversations because whether it's an nft project or a um a tech project or, or anything like there is some alpha for primo bots that you probably can't share today or tomorrow like how did you find what is worth building in public and what's worth building in private we shared almost everything in public that we knew was going to get done that we that we like had committed to as founders um anything that 
anything that Babs and I had kind of talked about behind the scenes that we were like, maybe we'll do this down the line. Or like, if the mint goes well, then we'll do X, Y, and Z. We didn't share any of that stuff because we didn't want to, you know, be held to a certain standard and then certain expectations are not met. Um, especially with the NFT community, you have like the win this, win that um, vibe, which is, which is kind of overwhelming, but everything else we pretty much shared and we did it purposely. Like our mint wasn't super successful yet. We're making some adjustments, which I'm happy to talk about too. Um, but everything that we did, we did because we felt like the NFT community as a whole, like the industry as a whole needs a little bit of a change. Um, and so we wanted to be a model for that change to show like, we don't really need to grind 10 hours on discord just for a wait list or a white list. Like, do we really need to spend every weekend, like doing X, Y, and Z just because that's what other projects have done to be successful. Um, and, and so we kind of went against the grain with a lot of stuff. Um, and we were like, you know, under the gun for a lot of people to say like, yo, this is stupid. Like, why are you all doing this? I want wait lists. I want this. I want that. When discord, um, which we haven't even launched a discord yet, we're going to make it holders only probably launch in the next, uh, seven to 10 days or so. So, yeah. Now walk us through the, um, the, uh, the, the mint, right? Walk, walk us through kind of what, uh, cause you had mentioned, um, that, that part of it, right? Walk us through mm -hmm. kind of mint day, uh, post mint day, where you are now and like what you're building on, because like, like you said, right. Building in public and, specifically building in public on the blockchain so like you're building yeah. in public your entire thing is in public mm -hmm. like what um what pre what is the next step for the primo bots and like from kind of adjusting improving iterating and like keeping it moving yeah good question before i share this i will say the fact that we built in public we were able to get our 500 true fans of people who are like really, really like ride or die part of our community who now, you know, the mint, we didn't mint out in the first couple of days. We're still minting right now. These like in any other project that I've seen, most of the community members or people that bought into that project would be like freaking out and would be like, you know, like I'm rug this, rug that, like, you know, I'm going to just sell this or like, you know, drop this project or whatever. Like if you we're using Twitter communities, if you hop into like our Twitter communities group, like the response that we've gotten is like incredible. People are saying like, yo, whatever you guys decide on, if you guys want to reduce the project size or if you want to, you know, lower the price or whatever you want to do, we're here for you. Like we believe in you all as founders and transparency has been something that you have showed us since day one, four months ago. Um, and so I think building in public kind of like I wouldn't say saved us. I would say like it, it more so helped us become a lot closer with our community with day zero, like day zero, day one, before even launching, people felt like they knew us and we knew a lot of them too. Whereas I think a lot of NFT projects, they launch and it's just like 3000 random people buy into a project and then you kind of like get together and try to build it from there. Whereas like we've kind of been building this for a few months now. Um, on that point, I will say one more thing because we didn't use a lot of like the hype marketing tactics, like we spent $0 leading into our launch didn't do any influencer shills. We didn't do any, like our uh, pre-sell list was only a couple hundred people. And it was intended for the people who had been here since day one, like the early supporters. And it was just a Google form, three questions or four questions, like e ethernet or like your MetaMask address. Why do you like Primo bots? What's something that we can prove on or something like that. So it was like no grinding whatsoever. But because we didn't use any of our like hype marketing tactics that usually mint out projects, I think that ended up hurting us. And so even though we're trying to like set the model for what projects should do or like shouldn't do um, in, in order to be like a healthier, you know, community or healthier industry as a whole, I think it ended up hurting our like mint. Um, and so now we're making the few changes and then I'm working on like a paper that's going to be not a paper, like a blog post that's going to be out on Friday that kind of outlines like, here's what happened so far. Here's what we're planning to do. Here are the changes that we're making. And here's why we're going to make those changes. Thanks to like you all for your feedback. Um, and for your constant, you know, support, because we really couldn't be here if it wasn't for the people who have believed in us since four months ago. I love it. And um, I know another project that's very close to us, right? They didn't mint out on the first day. They didn't mint out on the second day. They didn't mint out on the third day. They, like, you know, that and and for those of you, I'm Jesse, how long did it take for the goons to mint out? Yeah, I think 19 to 20 days something like that and and i'll like pixel vault 
one of my favorite projects, the Punk's Comics, those were sitting there available for over a month. And, and you know, it just takes time sometimes for people to realize what is being built there. And, and yeah, um, maybe a little bit more hype around, building some hype around what you are actually building. Because I think, I think that's something that I've kind of learned too in the space is like, it, you know, I think hype what you are building. You know, I think we're, the stuff to avoid is hyping the stuff you're you're probably not going to build, right? Yeah, or we you see a lot. <laughs> or, you, or you can't build, right? Yeah, that's where we get Kevin, uh, the, the pixel mod from, right? Like, or you get the, I'm going to start a game and it's going to be live in one quarter, three months, yeah. and you have yeah. like one developer. Yeah, and so I think this space is busy and it, it moves fast. And, and I think hype is important to keep people's attention. Um, but don't, you know, hype the stuff that you're building, right? Have mm-hmm. the that has the sturdy foundation underneath it um, to back it up. Um, yeah. You know, now um, ish, question on kind of, yeah. Cause you see like the classic, it's like retweet this comment, follow and the classic hype techniques and whether or not that's, if you had to go back and do it again, would you, would you try those more traditional with, because from the, like the incubator standpoint, something that we, would really don't want to do is these classic hype things because we want it to be we to Jesse's point we want the hype being on the build on the the product rather than yeah. this fugazi um promises or just artificial volume like going through it now reflecting would you have done it the same or or kind of changed a little bit like how would you if if you had an opportunity to do it again I would have done one thing differently. So we didn't do, we weren't going to do like a, a whitelist or like allow list at all. Like we were just going to make full hundred percent public mint. And the reason for that is because, uh, I mean, one of our, one of our uh, values is like diversity, inclusion, belonging. And it's not very like diverse and inclusive when these projects launch at a 0.25 mint and they mint out in four seconds and everybody else who's been saving their ETH, just like, you know, for weeks or months at a time, just to try to buy this really cool project gets priced out before it even starts. And so we didn't, we, we got feedback from the community that said that, Hey, we want to, you know, basically be guarantee our spot to buy this. So we opened up a few hundred, but it was only like 10% of the entire uh, supply. I think now reflecting, I would have probably done a little bit more, maybe like 25 to 50% for people who are interested in the project beforehand. Um, which would have been able to secure more of like a initial community of people that are like bought in and very supportive of the project, still allowing for 50% to be like available for mint at a cheap price, not super expensive. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that I was reflecting on. And like we, that was a big risk, you know, like not doing an allow list, which right now is like very common. And that's almost, you know, projects of 10,000 NFTs end up taking like a, a hundred thousand different uh, wallet addresses and that's how they're able to mint out because they don't share how many wallet addresses they input into the smart contract they just say like you know you're on the allow list you're on the whitelist and you know even though you're on it doesn't mean you actually you get one you know but i would have done things a little bit differently there jesse any um follow-up kind of on the pre the primo bot side of things um because i know i the I just love, I, I think we were chatting after the the Gooniversity and that was the first time ish, me and you had spoken. This is the first time we're seeing each other visually, I'm sure, or in camera, I'm yeah. sure we'll <laughs> we'll meet in person. I don't know what this is called, what, what this type of meeting is versus uh, whatever, whatever it is. But um, after I was, after Gooniversity, I was like, damn, like I was just, I was very impressed with you as a builder, as a, um, as a marketer, as just the type of person that like, I'm like, Oh damn, like I, I we, we got to find a way, like we got to get Ish involved with the incubator or like so- something like that. And I personally, and this is something that I say all the time. It's like, I bet on people. I try mm-hmm. and I don't bet on like products or like, because we, we want to build things that'll sustained for the next 10 years 20 years and the product that exists today is going to look a lot different than the product that exists in 10 years and in order to get there you need people and the people will drive that product build and so i've just been 
super impressed with kind of everything that you've done um, from going against the grain, right? Because knowing your mark, like you could sell it out like that. That's no, that's it's, it's a, it's a question of also doing like it right. Marketing, right? Like I've been a marketer for a while now, so I've learned certain hacks that are probably unethical, but that always guarantee like an engagement or that it guarantee like, you know, in the NFT community, it's like very, very hype driven and very like, give people what they can't have type of industry. Um, and so I, I wanted to go super against the grain and like show like you can still re do really cool stuff and like be focused, be around the product versus like the hype, which, and I'm writing this in the post that's going live on Friday. I don't think we're there as an industry yet. I don't think we're there as an industry where people truly want a great product or a great service. I think we're in the initial phase where people just want something cool that's talked about that a lot of the people know but that may not have true utility that's probably going to die out on 10 die out in 10 days or like you know and so me being trying to be a more ethical marketer focusing on like the team focusing on our backgrounds focusing on you know the 3d avatars that we're doing the ar filter that we delivered on day zero like it was ready before even launch and all the cool things that we're including as utility i think that kind of went over people's head because they were just looking for like I want some cool, some cool stuff, you know, like I want the, the stuff that's being talked about on Twitter type of thing. So it's a, no, it's I, very tough though. You know, like it's like a, do I be ethical and like focus on what we're actually building, the product, the service, the utility, or do I go the other route, get people in maybe an unethical way or like a way that I don't feel super comfortable doing and then, you know, show them the, the product that we're doing. No, I, I totally feel that. I mean, I've gotten... I've heard that that cartoon goons is too much of a business and not enough of an NFT. And it's like, <laughs> and, it, and it's what? funny, like, I, and I actually understand the, the criticism. It makes sense. It's just like, it's funny. Like, um, and, but that's just the, the, the space we're in right now. It's, it's busy. There's a lot going on and, and, mm -hmm. and eyeballs do matter. And sometimes, you know, you gotta, it doesn't have to be unethical to be loud, but you can be, you just gotta be loud. Right. And, mm -hmm. And, and be noticed um because that that matters um yeah so it's interesting so, though. so ish where, where can people find you um what where should they go i know we have primo bots that's uh you're working on like what are you working on go go yeah. fire uh, <laughs> no it's mostly just twitter you can find me on twitter ish for disco very easy to find um, aside from Primobots, that's that's like the main thing that I'm working on. Um, I'll be traveling this year in Mexico. So I plan on doing like meetups with other people that are in, you know, different cities. And just like, you know, part of, part of, we didn't talk about this, but like my overall like life goal is to help a billion people achieve their goals. And that's something that I take in every single industry or every single project that I take on. So whether that's writing a book, helping people with self-development, whether that's a marketing, helping people with their business, whether that's with NFTs, helping people learn and understand what the heck NFTs and crypto are. That's something that I take on everywhere that I go, you know? So um, that's one theme that you'll find in all the projects and all the things that I put my hand in is like, how can I help other people learn or understand this or be better at what they're trying to do too. So, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter. That's probably the easiest way to, to see where I'm at and what I'm doing. Go check out Ish. He's building, building dope shit. And, Thank you. And uh, I'm gonna call it out. Go go check out primobots.io, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, go to go check out primobots.io. I minted three of them. They're pretty amazing. You can um you can use you actually get the 3D file and you can actually use the 3D avatar as uh on a Zoom call, a Zoom which is call. yeah really really <laughs> really cool. Like so, if you wanted to come on our podcast but you don't want to dox yourself, you can just come on as a primobot. Like exactly. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> I wish we had that kind of shit in Cocoon. So that is some some real sick utility. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped to pumped to be uh, an owner of some of them. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And thank you all for having me on the show. Hopefully, people like learned a few things. I know it was like overwhelming. We're all over the place talking about like business, marketing, self development. Um, but the overall theme is there, and it's pretty consistent. So if you all like want to learn more about what I'm doing, uh, you know, check out Twitter. I'm very you know big fan of the podcast, and not even just the pod. I think what you guys are doing on Twitter and and uh, the content, the vibes you give, um, and overall your mission of just trying to help people is pretty awesome. So we need more educators in the space. Uh, so keep doing what you do. 
we need more educators and more more people that are building not just hyping and yes. that's what that's what ish is providing and i'm looking forward to seeing your journey watching your journey and it's going to be easy for me why is that because you'll be building in public and you'll make it, you'll make it obvious for everyone. That is how we're going to close it. This is the new normal where we break down some of the most complex crypto topics so that anybody can understand. We had Ish on today where he broke down what it's like building in public, what, what he's working on now, how he got here and how really anybody can start doing it. Because believe it or not, you're probably building something that's interesting to people around the world. So we do this every single Tuesday. Death taxes, which you make sure you file those bad boys. We're coming up on the end date and the new normal every Tuesday. Thank you for listening. Let's roll the outro video. As always, keep it moving. Peace. I'm walking around in the circle of life. Doing things I